Last week, this time, second service, Pastor Milton accused, okay, let's, that's a little bit of a harsh word, admitted that I prayed for this weather so that I and my Michigan de-thawing self could wear my boots. And I have been, but I think my praying power ran out because as I watched that football game on Thursday, the Cowboys won. Um, so I'm, I'm scrolling through social media Thursday Thanksgiving morning, and I'm interested in the different ways people are celebrating their Thanksgiving because, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everybody needs to know, um, or at least you have it for people to see. So I see families making crafts together, and I see families prepping their meals together. I see long banquet tables, some candlelit, some banquet tables just full of food. Who knows where you're going to sit? And if you're anything like my family's, you'll have your mashed potato, your gravy, your rice. You'll mix it together, and you'll eat it just like that in one spoonful. Maybe that's just me, but try it. Even if you add some corn to it, that's good, too. And as you're looking at the dessert table for my family, you've got some brownies, you've got the pumpkin pie, you've got pecan pie, one little slice of each taken out because you have to have it. But really what's eaten up is the Filipino desserts, the sweet rice, and the cassava cake. And so we Americans, we celebrated Thanksgiving on Thursday. One of the things, as I look at these posts of ways people are celebrating Thanksgiving and wanting to share with the world, at the end of these, these posts, the infamous hashtag blessed. And so if you don't know what that means, the hashtag or the pound sign or the number sign, whatever, blessed, the trend of posting things nowadays in social media, different ways um, to say, this is what I've, I've been thankful for. Thanksgiving is a time where we typically reflect about what we're grateful for, how this year has gone up until this point. We reflect how blessed we've been and how blessed we will continue to be. But then everything kind of changed when I saw a commercial that said, Walmart, doorbuster deals begin at 6 p.m. Thursday. Um, Black Friday should mean Friday, and if it begins on Thursday, then this is starting, I think, a new Thanksgiving tradition. Um, I know this is not the first time that's happened, and they're not the only store to be doing deals on Thursday, but what? The holiday season continues to reach and reach and reach earlier into each year. And Coast 103.5, an L.A. radio station that I love, was something that I was anxious to come home to during my times in Michigan. That 24-hour Christmas music. Except Coast started playing their Christmas music 24-hour starting November 1st. And this is not the first year that they've done that either. Christmas, one of my favorite times of year. And you'll find me listening to that music station and you'll find me singing and getting super excited to be in the holiday spirit. But November 1st, wouldn't it be great if our society actually wanted to begin this season of joy a little bit earlier? 
But businesses and marketers are telling us that their sale and the merchandise that we need to get our hands on are the things that we need to be looking toward. And a few weeks ago, as, as, as I was unpacking my boxes in my new apartment, I realized the TV, the little baby TV that made that journey with me from Michigan back to California was just not going to cut it. I needed a big screen. I wanted to have this wonderful, lavish picture to be looking at as I Netflix Gilmore Girls. So don't tell me if you've watched the reboot, please. I struggled as I decided whether or not to take advantage of the Black Friday sales. But I really wanted that shiny new toy. I was gonna buy a TV anyway, right? So I'm gonna stick it to the marketers and I'm going to buy their product for half price instead of allowing them to get me on that full price TV. But am I just am I just rationalizing this so that I can take part in th of this scheme? I found myself Thursday morning at the breakfast table with my family. I was like, okay, guys, what kind of deals are there? Do we got a newspaper? Who uses a newspaper nowadays? Just go online and look at the sales. If you see one with a slash and big red numbers, you know that's probably one that you're wanting to look at. So we started looking, we started shopping, and then I stopped and I was like, should we be doing this? It's not Friday yet, it's still Thursday, Thanksgiving. And I'm like, yeah, 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 come on, let's look for a TV. I was like, oh, but shouldn't we be doing something like more Thanksgiving-like, more family-oriented? So my brother said, okay, everybody get out your phone, everybody get on the Best Buy website, we're doing this as a family. <laughs> I saw a news headline Friday afternoon and said that a Walmart in Nevada had a fight for a parking spot that had turned fatal. Other news headlines will say that California, Southern California to be exact, is slowly killing Black Friday culture because of our ability to buy things from our beds using the internet. So I, I tried to figure out how I felt about this, the second best holiday of Thanksgiving week. Those people who are working these Black Friday events are missing on Thanksgiving so that we can go and get some of these products. The parents who leave Thanksgiving early so that they can go and purchase the toy that their child has been wanting. The teenagers, the college students, the young professionals, and really anybody who starts to care less and less about having thankful hearts and more and more about acquiring a room full of stuff. Stuff that will be obsolete soon. And I think much of this consumer culture is because we haven't been honest with ourselves about what we're after. We are in a search for something deep and for something meaningful. And I've braved those waiting lines and the angry crowds and, and the physical obstacles to get my hands on that computer or that camera or that broom that somebody else will get if I don't get it faster. But for a t-shirt that won't fit next month, 
or for a phone that will be upgraded in a matter of months. What is it for? In our creation story, we see that God's first blessing is the Sabbath. Genesis 2, 3, something that we know, we love. God blessed the seventh day and he hallowed it. And when we talk about it here as Adventists, we relish in this. God set this day apart. And so this idea of blessing, he, cre he created something that got me thinking. To be blessed, meaning to be set apart. So what does it mean then when I'm going through my Instagram pictures, my Facebook posts, and reading things on Twitter that say, I got a new car, hashtag blessed. The Chargers won, hashtag blessed. I think it should say hashtag divine intervention. <laughs> just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm a Redskins fan. I know how this goes. I know how this goes. Um, but have I been set apart? in order to get a new car. Well, in some cases you get approved for that car loan and so yeah, you are set apart. Um, but, but what are we saying? That this is some divine experience that, that God has intervened in for you to, to get a car? Or that parking spot you found at Costco, hashtag blessed. Uh, I got a scholarship for school, hashtag blessed. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not saying that we shouldn't undermine the things that we have to be grateful for. And I actually would argue that we don't give gratitude upward enough. But for Christians who proclaim blessings, in light of Thanksgiving Thursday, I think there are some things that we can think about. Genesis 12, we'll see the call of Abraham. And if you want to open your Bibles, you're welcome to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. And we'll spend a few moments in those first few verses. And I'll start reading 12 verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Verse 2, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So if we are following the grammatical rules of English properly, I think we can look at verse 2 and we can chop it up and make a few conclusions. If you'll follow me along and if I've done this wrong, come to me afterwards. I'm, I'm happy to be wrong, but then my sermon doesn't work, so please be cautious. Um, if we look at verse 2, we'll read it this way. I will make, a, make of you a great nation, comma, and I will bless you, comma, and make your name great, comma, so that you will be a blessing. So if we do this right, I think we can say, I will make you a great nation so that you will be a blessing. I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. And I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So for over 400 times in the Bible, we see the word bless and blessing. But there are only a handful number of times where God is the subject of that clause, of that sentence, of that thought. And is God the subject blessing humans? Only a handful. So I love this because we are intended to be the means of communicating through blessing one another. I love reading it this way because it underscores 
our participation in God's work. We get highlighted as the main characters of the story that God is writing. The only way the plot moves is because we are the ones moving it with God's help. That God loves us so much that he gives us a large role in this story of salvation. Where we might say, love one another, we could possibly say, let's bless one another. Something that I don't think we're thinking of in those terms very often. It gives new light to some of the familiar passages of scripture that we've heard before. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Because we will have to go out into the world and be mercy so that people understand God's grace. That we have to go out in the world and be peacemakers, not peacekeepers, so that people understand God's love. And so one author will say, a blessing is a life created by and from God. That blessing is a life that gives life and extends life. So in our post-Thanksgiving stupor, if we are hashtag blessed, then my challenge would be, how do we that answer that question? Did buying that car give and extend life? As we have sat through a wonderful Thanksgiving feast and probably ate too much and had food that was too good, we were sitting in our privilege and we might think as we move forward into this giving season, what's the next gift that I can give? But the wonderful gift that we have been given is the gift of baby Jesus, of which we'll be celebrating the next few weeks, and I think that's something that we should be able to give as well. So instead of focusing on the perfect gift to give the important people in our lives, let's start focusing on the people in our lives. And maybe the form of our gifts will look differently than they have in the past. While we often think perfect gifts communicate something very deep, that purse that I got will only turn into another purse that I want next, or that computer that I got will only turn into the next computer that comes out. We have the perfect gift right in front of us of Jesus. So we do have something to be thankful for, whether or not we've had a week. One day, a wealthy father took his son on a trip to the country for the sole purpose of showing his son what it was to be poor. They spent a few days and nights on a farm of what would be considered a poor family. After their return from the trip, the father asked his son, Son, how was it? It was great, Dad. Do you see how poor people can be? Oh, yeah, said the son. So, what did you learn from this trip? And then the son answers, I saw that we have one dog and they had four. That we have a pool that reaches to the middle of our garden and they have a creek that has no end. We have imported lanterns in our garden, and they have the stars at night. 
Our patio reaches the front yard and they have the whole horizon. We have a small piece of land to live on and they have fields that go beyond our sight. We have servants who serve us, but they serve others. We buy our food, but they grow theirs. We have walls around our property to protect us, but they have friends to protect them. The boy's father was speechless, and the son added, he showed me just how poor we really are. It's an old story. It went viral on the internet a couple of years ago. Um, so it might be one that's familiar to you, but it resonates with me, and especially as I was thinking about post-Thanksgiving Sabbath. I remember in my mission trip to the Philippines a number of years ago, when you step into a space that's unfamiliar, and when you look at life outside of your normal context, you gain insight and perspective. And more and more clearly, after serving, my purpose became clear. There was one night in the Philippines that I was laying on the bed, and you hear that, and I'm like, no, this is not my room. And I just freeze, especially since I'm the only one in this room. So. And I'm like, what is that? So like, if you close your eyes, will it go away? No, you're, and it gets faster. And so previous to this day, I knew that there were roaches because when my shower decided to overflow, they decided to come out with it. So I bought a can of bug spray. And I'm like, okay, it's okay, we can do this. And I have to pep talk myself about it. I like go and I grab my can, like this is my weapon. Like if I grab it slower, it makes it more dramatic. And I'm, wa I'm, I'm waiting and I'm like, where, where's this roach? Because this is a thing that needs to be out of my life. And so I see it. And so here's my box of a room. I'm in one corner and like over the, t in the periphery, t -t 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 over here. So I have my can and I go like this, ah! And of course they go this way and I'm just spraying in one direction. So I'm like, I wasted it. So I'm like, okay, I can do this. Breathe a little more. Come face this way. It's in a corner. I've got it. I can do this. Well, if you don't know anything about roaches in the Philippines, you know how they say that the size of rats in New York are like cats? The size of roaches are like cats. It was like this big. Um, and that was just the body of it, let alone the antennas and whatever this was. Um, so I'm hyperventilating by this point and I see it and it's not moving so spray as I go and jackpot I got it but for whatever reason the back of roaches I think this is all roaches are like armor of life that it was like stunned but it was still alive so what did it do it started to fly away and at me so this way, and spraying with all of my might, there it finally laid on the floor, and I was just like, I don't care that this is the bed, spray, right? And so you learn on these, these mission trips, outside of your comfort zone, outside of your normal context. 
that we are hashtag blessed because I think that this is one of those situations where I was praying really hard the next few days and then I thought I'm here on a mission trip and I'm praying about the roaches not the people that I have been sent to be part of with the next few weeks the roaches right and I think this is completely indicative of of what our culture is doing we are asking for love when when we're searching for something to fill the void that we have but when you ask people about love oftentimes they tell you about their heartbreak and when you ask people about belonging they'll tell you about how they've been excluded or about a connection and they'll tell you about being disconnected A sociologist named Brene Brown has dedicated over 20 years of studying happy people. There's something that unravels the ideas of belonging, connection, and love, and she believes that's shame and fear. Shame and fear inhibit our ability to belong, connect, and love. Shame and fear. Nobody wants to talk about it, but the less you talk about it, the more you have it. However, vulnerability will undermine shame and fear, and this is her study. In studying happy people, Brene has found that vulnerability is what each of us are looking for. Sometimes our immature mindsets will tell us that we want to be around people who are more vulnerable than us so that we can boost our self-esteem. However, what we don't realize is that in our deepest cravings, we want, we want to belong, we want to connect, and we want to love. And, and the way we do that is to be vulnerable with each other. Not that others have more vulnerable situations than I so that I can feel superior, but that the more vulnerable they are, the more accepting they might be of my vulnerability. That way we can fashion a genuine and authentic relationship rooted in love and acceptance. What makes us vulnerable makes us beautiful. And it's not comfortable, it's not excruciating, but it is necessary for authenticity. And it is necessary if we want to build relationships that are deeper and to create a community of what we have been called for. Because of how God has created each and every one of us, because he has blessed us with specific qualities, unique characteristics, these divinely imparted gifts, we have been blessed so that we now have the tools to bless one another. So when I say that I am blessed, I need to remind myself of that initial blessing found in Genesis at creation. I have been set apart. You are blessed and you have been set apart. Not blessed because I passed this exam, I got this car, or I got the discontinued shoes that I've really been wanting. We are blessed, not only in expressing gratitude, but I hope that when we say that, it's because we are proclaiming that we have inherited a blessing. 
It's a promise, and it's the kind of love that changes the way that we see the world. When I say that I am blessed, it's because the one who has blessed me has shown me what a life with Jesus looks like and is clear of its purpose. Christmas is my favorite time of year, and as some of the holidays sing, holiday songs sing, it's the most wonderful time of the year. We'll say, come on, don't be a Grinch, get into the Christmas spirit. We love to be around love, and this season highlights that. So it makes it easy to say we love the holiday season. But as we're looking forward to the Christmas season, it's not just about the packages, it's not just about the wrapping paper and the perfect bow that goes to that special person. We don't have to kill ourselves over the 50% off or getting this sale. The Christmas spirit means it's about blessings. And the only way to receive them is to give them. Let's not be the kind of people who bless only during the Christmas season, but the kind of Christian with the Christmas spirit all year long. I want to go back to that first three verses in Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. And make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The world and people are not blessed unless we are the ones doing it. So instead of perfect gifts and perfect bows, let's focus on the verb kind of blessings, the ones that satisfy our desire for longing and connection. Vulnerability, the core of shame and fear, and the struggle for worthiness. Jesus, who was vulnerable at the cross, who satisfied the grave in order for us to experience blessing. This season, may we let ourselves be vulnerably seen, vulnerably heard. May we love with whole hearts that we might practice gratitude and experience blessings. Amen.